Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 45 of Empty Betters. I'm your host, Harrison Schultz, and I'm going to toss it off to my co-host, who is actually sitting across from me for the first time in 19 episodes, Nick Manella. It is so good to be back. I feel like you know, everyone might, you know, laugh or say like, oh, these two idiots, you know, whatever they've been doing it remotely. It does not even come close to what it's like to do these in person. They are so much more fun. Uh, Wishing we could have Mac here today with us, but he is on vacation. But I am just so fired up to finally be back in the studio uh, for the 45th episode. I am absolutely fired up. There's a lot of energy between the two of us in this episode. So this one could get a little off the rails and I'm not going to apologize for that at all. Uh, I feel like this is somewhat of like those military coming home videos where like the yes. wife and kids have been waiting for so long. This it, kind of feels like that. It, defi- com- it definitely is one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Not to make comparisons, but um, yeah, to put it in perspective, I think, and Nick and I were talking about this the last time that we actually did a show live with each other, not over Skype, I believe was about two days after the NHL paused yes and we gave our thoughts on how that would go and we were like oh they'll be back in two weeks a month and that was what march so it's been a minute and uh it's been tough and we're not gonna lie to you guys there's some episodes where the energy obviously might not be as high as when we're recording live but um it just feels so good to be back and we got a beautiful setup here in manella's basement so thank you to him for hosting as the uh, makeshift studio for this it's about 10.20 in the morning on Saturday, September 3rd, so we're starting the day off right. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's been a lot, some really big news that's gone down since we last spoke, and I think obviously the biggest news is that the Tampa Bay Lightning are finally Stanley Cup champions. Again, yeah. They're so s- Their second cup, they won that first one in 04 with Torts. Uh, they had a stack team that year uh but yeah they also had a stack team this year and yeah. on paper going into the season this team would have won the stanley cup and they did so they're what the first uh like preseason cup favorite to win since i think chicago in 2015 probably yeah now the one question everyone's kind of wondering themselves and i want to get your take on this is there an asterisk ask don't fuck this up harrison you can do it asterisk there you go yes uh I wouldn't say there's an asterisk, but it it'll be interesting. I feel like we can't say now. You're gonna have to like wait like three or four years and see how it goes. I feel like it would have been a much bigger asterisk if there had been like a team from a different city had won the cup and because it wasn't Florida, they weren't able to celebrate and, you know, gather in like mass numbers and basically because you know florida is just a lawless swamp so especially right now (laughs) um, so i I feel like it would have looked a lot worse because it would have been like they're just not celebrating at all uh but i don't know it was like you know when people said like when chicago won it i know we talked about this in 2015 they had the shortened season but it was on the front end Mm -hmm. so i don't know i personally don't think so i think it was still you know hard for them to win it uh i think if a team that had been in a qualifying series would have won it, definitely no asterisk because you would have played through a whole additional round, round of the playoffs. Yeah. So that's what people were saying about the Isles. If they would have gone on to win the cup, they would have been the first team ever to play five series yeah. and end up winning the cup. And if you listen to what Bettman said during the cup handout ceremony, he basically made it sound like this is the hardest one that anybody could have won. And I think you can make that argument because basically, I mean, it's no secret that the pause 
hurt teams and helped teams. Teams that were injured, it helped you get back, you know, to where you needed to be uh, health-wise. Teams that were on a roll, like the Rangers, and then the pause comes, it royally fucked you. I mean, they came out and looked like, you know, a flat can of soda. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I I feel like it really was going to affect your team one way or another. Flat can of pop. There you go. Canadians out there. Never really understood that, by (laughs) the way. Yeah, me neither. I think that's like a Midwest thing, too. Is it? Yeah. God God only knows what goes on out there. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, again, Lightning are your Stanley Cup champions. Victor Hedman is your playoff MVP winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. I think that is an excellent pick. It was the right call. It was 1,000% the right call. He had a stellar playoffs, and we will get into that a little later in the show when we go through the official recap. Um, going on with some news, uh, and this isn't actually on the template, but figured it was worth mentioning. Joe Pavelski actually is now the all-time goal-scoring playoff American record. Yeah. That was in English, but I think he No, but I, I know what you're trying to say. So most goals in the playoffs by an American-born player. Uh, it, in its simplest form, yes. Yeah, Thank okay. you, sir. I appreciate <laughs> it. So I, like, when he broke that, I feel like... It wasn't really talked about that he was uh, closing in on it at all. Uh, Way to go, NBC. (laughs) And um, yeah, I was honestly kind of surprised. But then I remember like how many playoff runs like to the conference finals or at least the second round that he had with the Sharks. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, what, like 2007 through 2014, 15, whenever they went to the cup final? 16. 16. Um, Yeah. And then they fell off the face of the earth, but... Yeah, they were a, it's a pre- solid ten year run. Yeah, exactly. Stats. And he was always one of their better players. So uh I'm like not surprised, but I also was just because you think about like some of the big American names out there for me, the first one that jumps out would be Mike Madonna, but Jeremy Rohn across yeah, my mind. Exactly. So I mean good for him, deservedly so. Did you hear the press conference after that that game where he broke it? Yeah, he just doesn't care at all. The the guy goes, Hey Joe, they lost that game. Yeah. I believe I can't remember what game number that was. It was either it must have been three, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, hey, you know, Joe, how do you feel about breaking the all-time uh, American playoff goal record? And he literally just goes, eh, keep it. Yeah, yeah, he does not he care He was disgusted. Yeah. And it was the ultimate, like, hockey guy, like, typical yeah. answer. And sounds kind of cliche because, you know, maybe you should take a minute to be a little thankful. I think he will probably years from now, but... Uh, in the moment. In the moment, yeah, yeah. That was just the perfect answer. It's like, eh, he does, keep He doesn't it. care at all. It was great. Um, and yeah, so that basically wraps up the, the big news storylines for the Stanley Cup final. And like I said, we'll get into a, a little bit more of a more in-depth recap a little bit later in the show. Um, but some other really, really big news uh, since the Cup final finally ended was New York Rangers have bought out goaltender Henrik Lundqvist. This is huge. And I don't think anyone really saw this one coming. I know I certainly didn't. Uh, I, I maybe thought they were going to hang on to him for another year or two, but I know that they do really, they have like three goaltenders right now between Shesterkin and Georgiev. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess they thought this was the best move going forward. So he's 38. Uh, he was set to make eight and a half million uh, this upcoming season. Obviously he spent his entire you know tenure with the Rangers. I don't think this is it for Hank. I don't, you know, unless he wants to retire, uh, but I don't think he's going to want to go out this way. So I think someone's going to take a chance on him. You know who I think is going to take a chance on him? Who? And you know who Mike Rupp thinks is going to take a chance on who? him? Who? 
you're Washington Capitals. So it's funny you say that because I said that to my dad as soon as this news came out. I was like, if they don't re-sign Holtby, there's, you know, the money from Holtby's contract is on the table. You can probably, you know, Hank's not going to get eight and a half from a team picking him up in free agency. That's just not going to happen right no. now. Not for what you probably you're looking at as like a 40% of the game's goaltender max. Right. So max. Yeah, max. So I would say that it wouldn't be crazy for the Caps to pick him up. I don't know how I would personally feel about it. I mean, it would be... Someone who is a thorn in your side for all those yeah, years. Yeah, that or, you know, I'd much rather them use that money somewhere else. But, like, you know what? If it's Hank and Sammy down the road, I don't hate that tandem at all. No, and I think I think the last couple of seasons especially have proven that you really do need a second goalie. It yes. was something that you could ignore in seasons prior. I'd say up until about 2017, it was kind of an yes. afterthought. And now, all of a sudden, all the good teams have two goalies. And are using them not just in the regular season. I mean, right. Tampa was the only one that didn't use yeah. two goalies pretty much in this postseason. Yeah, exactly. So it's a huge part of the game, and I definitely think it's worth putting a solid 2 to $3 million per year on a backup goaltender that you feel like you can rely on. For sure. We've seen, like I mentioned now in the past couple of seasons, that's that's vital to make a deep run and to get into the playoffs. And speaking of getting into the playoffs, the Montreal Canadiens managed to do that this season, largely due to Jeff Petrie's coming out party against my Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have officially signed Jeff Petrie to a four-year contract extension that will carry an AAV of $6.25 million. That's what you get when you can score short side goals against Matt Murray's glove. Not saying much. Uh, I don't really care for this guy too much. He kind of ruined my comeback for the coronavirus so well deserved for him he had I think like two or three goals in the in the series against the Pens which was only a four game series overtime winner too yeah exactly so he deserves it he played really well I know you were saying you were really impressed by him during the playoff run this I was and that is I think where this deal comes from and this honestly based on how he played I think this is a steal for the Habs yeah at six and a quarter for four years I don't know if I would say steal, but I do think it's a very fair deal. Yeah. I think I think he, at maximum, would be like a seven mil player after what we saw in the playoffs. Yes. And it doesn't really matter what you – I mean, how do I phrase this? What would he have been worth without this playoff run? That's kind of what I'm wondering. What what do those – Three and a half. Yeah. What? How much are those three playoff goals worth? And clearly, they were worth about probably an extra two million, yeah. I would say. so. I think if he takes a couple more steps, like if he does one or two more this upcoming season, yeah, we could see him at seven at some point, maybe more. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the Edmonton Oilers are closing in on a contract extension with the Nuge, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The deal is reportedly going to be about eight years and carry an AAV of $7 million. Nuge is coming off his best offensive season in his career so far. Uh, I think this is a home run, in this, my opinion. Yeah, this is a good deal, uh, another one out there. Uh, when we say that Nuge is coming off his best offensive season, you sort of have to remember who he's playing with. Uh, you know, a lot of... And not second line. He doesn't play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Right. It's not his... Power play, I think, though, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, that's obviously where part of that point increase is coming from, but I don't want to take anything away from him because I think this was his best season in the NHL. He's 27 years old already. Yeah. It feels like yesterday he got drafted, and that was the 2011 entry draft. Wow. Isn't that crazy? 
That's nuts. Yeah, it makes you feel old a little bit, right? Seriously. But no, that's a guy who's been in the organization since the day he got into the league. He's part of establishing the culture in Edmonton. He's a solid two-way player. And like you said, I think he had over a 60-point season this past season, if I'm not mistaken. So he's a vital part of them establishing a winning culture, quote-unquote, going forward. How how many first overall picks does it take to get a winning culture again? Because I think they're at their limit. Yeah. yeah, they've they've definitely met the quota. So I I don't understand how they aren't good yet. But he was the first building block before Yakupov, before McDavid, before you know Darnell Nurse. He all was after guys. Taylor Hall. He was the first yeah. one after Taylor Hall. He was the first piece. He's been there since the start. So I like this signing. Um, I think he's got a good leadership role in the team, and I like his game. It's it's a very playoff type game with that two way center. Yes. So uh, I think it's a fair deal. Which they definitely need because yeah. their cap, the way they break it up, is so top heavy. Top heavy, so top heavy. Yeah. Wow. You got the the hundred million dollar man right. on there, so <laughs> that, that'll do it. Uh, and then one last signing to go over: the Minnesota Wild are at it again. They've been probably the busiest team this off season. Uh, they have signed defenseman Carson Soucy. 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 Fuck me, man. To a three-year contract ex- extension with an AAV of two point seven five million. Bridge deal. Yeah, I mean, not not many thoughts on this. I, no, I, I mean, I think it's a, you know, it's good. I wouldn't have gone any higher than that. Yeah, casual bridge deal. It yeah. is what it is. And then the last piece of news that I want to get Nick's take on because I think we have very opposite opinions on this. The Vegas Golden Knights have finally unveiled their first ever alternate jersey. It is an all-gold jersey for the Golden Knights. What are your thoughts? And I'll give you mine after. So I think what happened was Vegas was having like a team lunch event or something, and they had like one of their gray jerseys laid out on the table, and someone knocked over a bottle of mustard (laughs) onto the gray, and it sort of just like hardened and became all stale and crusted there, and that's what happens uh, it, that's the result of what this jersey looks like. I cannot stand it, uh, and this has... I tried to put my bias. Uh, I don't think it's any secret to anyone that listened to this that I, I don't like the Vegas Golden Knights. So I, you know, I tried to put that aside as much as I could, but, I mean, I'm looking at this thing now. I, I just... I, I hate it. I hate everything about it. I absolutely love this. Um, Maybe it's because I'm a Penguins fan and I got a thing for gold jerseys. Now, that being said, I hate the Penguins alternate jerseys. I can't stand them. Uh, Partly because of that stupid yellow helmet. I think it throws it off. I don't like yellow helmets. No. Nashville switched from the Navy helmets to the yellow helmets. It looks very Swedish Elite League. Yes. What I will say about this jersey is the metallic gold. It's it, it literally is Vegas gold. I'm looking at up close photos. It almost has like a glitter to it. It's very Vegas. Um, which, uh, by the way, like three biggest pet peeves of mine, glitter is number two. What's the other two? Uh, what is it? Oh, people that talk on their cell phone in public on speaker. Can't Uh, stand that. Yeah. And then the other one just rotates on whatever pisses me (laughs) off. Um, I, I like it. And I think if they keep the gray helmets, it'll look pretty sleek, but I think the reviews in general have been relatively, for lack of a better term, awful. Yes. Uh, I think a lot of people were anticipating they were going to come out with a black alternate, but I think it just makes too much sense when you're the Golden Knights, you got to have a gold jersey. Yeah, and I think they've sort of made the gray work for them. It's not 
like I think you know when they un- unveiled their original you know uniform you and everything, like I was like you know I don't like this. I think it will look better if it's black. And honestly, I wasn't totally sold on the red. But you know what? They've made the gray work for them. It's sort of like their thing now. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sort of glad they didn't go with something black. But uh, yeah, definitely not a fan of these. I still think Seattle has the cleanest unis right now. Those things are fresh. Yeah, they're getting there. Uh, we um we went into that pretty in depth. But I think those are going to look even better when they're on. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And they'll, if they have an alternate scheme where there's like a – like a sea blue almost. Yeah. That'll be nice. That would be sweet. I'll let you take the next segment here. All righty. So there's a whole bunch of rumors that have been stirred up, obviously, as we approach the draft and free agency. So right back to the Knights. Apparently, they are showing significant interest in my, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Tyson Berry. Uh, Barry is looking for apparently a four-year deal. I think this would be a huge mistake because you already have Shea Theodore. Why are you going to go spend money on Tyson Berry? Who you got Nate Schmidt too? And Tyson Berry was horrible this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it, this is one of those things where maybe you just look at the situation and you say, "Yo, he was in Toronto. Like, there's a lot of pressure. They 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 don't have a good supporting defensive cast for him. I mean, Morgan Riley's a stud, but." Kind of drops off after that. I mean, I know Jake Muzzin is a solid defensive defenseman, but Barry had a lot of support in Colorado with yes. the come up of McCarr, and you had Johnson, and you had you know all those guys. I think if he went to Vegas, it would. I'm not saying he's going to be what he was in Colorado, but I think it would go a little smoother, a little bit of a smaller market, not as much pressure. But I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, he did look. Absolutely horrible in Toronto. And there is such thing as like a bad fit. You know what? When this happened to Tyson Berry, the first thing that came into my head was, you remember when the Caps got Kevin Shattenkirk as a free agent and he was basically dog shit? Um, (laughs) They got one overtime playoff goal out of him and that was it. Uh, And then, you know, there was so much hype about him coming in before that. He was, you know, at the top of the free agent chart that year. And then... Uh, you know, comes to the Caps for a rental, you know, waste of time and money, ends up going to the Rangers, I think. And then, of yep, course, sucked. you know. He, didn't, he was okay, but he still kind of sucked. Yeah, and then he followed his basic instinct. Once you're a Ranger, you want to become a – You just go to the late. You just go to Tampa. It's so a right of passage. Yeah, and then boom, wins the Stanley Cup. So I think, you know, there could be a resurgence for Barry at some point. I don't know if a four-year deal is something that I would be very excited about, especially if I'm Vegas with the way that – Everything is sort of lined up for them, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. It, it could be interesting. I think someone's going to have to, you know, take a shot at him because I don't know if the Leafs want to bring him back. No, I would guarantee, you. and I, I think he will fit in somewhere better in a smaller market. Not that Ve- although Vegas, I wouldn't necessarily say they're a small market team. I mean, they get a lot of media coverage for where they're located in the desert, right? Compare if you compare them to Arizona, yes. or Dallas, they still get relatively. Um, more media coverage than those guys and they're you know a good team traditionally in the last three years so I think it would be a good fit I think uh, I think he would be a solid second pairing defenseman for them little power play unit time so you know where I could see him ending up and fitting in really really well and it is kind of terrifying would be Philly it's funny you say that I was just thinking that yeah and you know Philly's always got their their hat they always got their name in the hat yep somehow with some big name free agents so I wouldn't be surprised to see that either not at all uh moving on down the list Oliver Ekman Larson apparently is open to a trade out of the desert out of Arizona to either Boston or Vancouver so I think it's worth noting here that Ekman Larson does have a full no move clause but he has basically said that he would waive that 
um, to trades to either of those teams. I think, you know, it's whatever works for you, that's great. These are a little bit specific and in complete different, you know. Stages. Of yeah, that. exactly. One's on the up and up, one's aging out, so. Right. I would love him in Vancouver. I think he'd be that a great fit. That would be fit. awesome. They got a lot of Euros over there, specifically Swedes. Him and Pedersen, I'm imagining, yep. would be buddy-buddy. Um, and just not only that, I think for Quinn Hughes, it would be good to have, you know, another defenseman that could step into that lineup that's a bona fide guy, even yeah. though he had a relatively weak couple seasons. Uh, I think he's still a good defenseman. And, you know, I just feel like when you're an up-and-up team, you need one of those veteran guys who's yeah. kind of been there. I think he's boy, he's got to be in his late 20s now, I think. Something like that. I mean, we talked about this. I remember we were saying that the Vancouver second power play looks like you know, what your power play in the first year of Chell franchise expansion mode would look like. You know, like Tyler Myers is your defensive, you know, guy on your second power play unit. Yeah. When it could be this guy. 29 years old. Okay. So, I mean, he's 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 seen some stuff, right? He's now yeah. a veteran. As far as the Boston move, I'm not necessarily sure how much I like that because you're basically losing Tory Krug and bringing him in, and I'm not so sure that would be much of an upgrade, to be honest with you. No. And not worth making the move over. Right. It, 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 yeah, exactly. I think if, if you're Boston, you might want to pump your money a little more in the forward core because they yes. really struggled to score against the Lightning. Um, so I think he would fit a lot better in Vancouver. And I think Vancouver would be able to slide him in a little easier. Yeah. I also opinion. think Vancouver has stuff that Arizona might want. Yeah. No, so. you, got, you got a young team. You got a decent amount of assets. So. Yeah. Um, as far as what they could give up, I think they have more to give than Boston for sure. For sure. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are expected to make a ton of moves this offseason. Uh, that could mean they're going to, or that could mean they do absolutely jack shit. But uh, they have shown interest <laughs> in Toronto's Andreas Janssen, uh, Brady Shea from Carolina, and Darcy Kemper from the Yotes. Uh, who out of those three do you think is most likely to end up in an Oilers sweater? I think Brady Shea would be an excellent fit. I do, uh, too. They, they need to bolster that defensive core a little more, and he played pretty well, honestly, I thought, in the playoffs. He stepped up. Uh, he brings a little more grit and feisty uh, physicality to the game that I think people really recognize. Uh, he's not afraid to throw the body. I think out of the three that you listed, he would be the best fit. They obviously need to get something worked out in the goaltending department. I don't see um, Arizona giving up Kemper, though. No, and I think it's funny because there was a trade that tried to go through for Matt Murray to yes. the Oilers, but the asking price for Murray was a little too high for them. So I think this was their next thought. But I don't necessarily think that you're going to get Kemper for less than you're going to get Matt Murray. I mean, granted, Murray has the resume, but and just strictly based off last season, Kemper played way better. For sure. Way better. And before the injury, I think I've said this 12 times already, before his midseason injury, he was probably the Vesna favorite. Yeah, I mean, he, he no, was seriously. lights out at the start of the year. So I, if I were them, I think Brady Shea, most realistically, would be the best fit. But again, they really do need to bolster their uh, their goaltending core over there. Yeah, I completely agree. I also, you know, I'm just thinking that Toronto wants to clear up as much cap space as possible. So in that sense, I could see them getting rid of Janssen's contract. I mean, he's not making too much, but... Um, every little bit helps, but I, I think that would be a mistake for him to leave the Leafs because I think he's helped them out so much. Yeah, if you're Toronto, I really don't see why you would want to get rid of him because, I mean, even if he's asking for a little bit of a pretty penny, he's a solid player, and you're a lot better with him in the lineup than out. 
and he 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 brings that typical Euro kind of style of play. Yeah, especially I think he's Swedish. I'm pretty sure. Of yes, that. and Swedes are always good defensively, and you know even when they're on the forward core. So I think he's a a good fit in Toronto, and I think they should do what they can to keep him in there. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, last note in the rumor mill, uh, new off season, same shit. The Winnipeg Jets continue to entertain serious talks about for Patrick. trading pra- Patrick Laine. So apparently they are looking to find a second line center as well as help on defense in return. I think at this point he, think? he might get traded this off season. I do. And I have a team in mind. Okay. So the one that You're I not saw, like it. I know the one that I saw was Carolina. That's exactly what I yeah. was going to say. So I know everyone's been saying that because they've got deep defense, of course, so they can give up a defenseman. Right. Cause they, at one point they had eight defensemen that could have been in anyone's starting six. And he's boys with Ajo and Terravina. Right. So it would be a shoe in. I mean, yeah. seriously. So, so that makes a lot of sense on paper. I don't – I'm trying to think if there's anyone in the West that would take a chance on him. I don't know why L.A. is sort of like in the back of my mind. L.A. is going to be involved in everything. And I know people forget about them a lot because they have sucked the past they couple of years. sucked this year. But they are a big market. You're in Los Angeles. And you have a group of guys that are old, yes, but – Probably a group of guys that younger guys look up to and would want to play with. I mean, if you get the chance to play with Dowdy, Kopitar, yeah. you know, Quick, yeah. Carter, yeah. all these guys, right? They've been there. They've done that. You can make a difference. That I mean, I don't know. I think L.A. is going to make some noise this offseason out of nowhere. People, I do, too. People I know, expect it. I know they're, um, they've come up all you know all around the, the Holpe rumor mill, so um, God only knows where, where we're going to go with that, but... Um, there were a couple trades to cover, so let's start with the more recent one. The Rangers sent defenseman Mark Stahl and a second rounder to the Red Wings for future considerations. On paper, I think that's a great move because I thought Stahl was one of the worst defensemen in the NHL this year. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of a ticking time bomb. Eventually, he was going to have to move on. Um, he's just going to go off. Don't ask me why I think this because it's not the same. It's not the same scenario, but it's kind of like not to use a baseball reference. But when Machado got traded from the Orioles to the Padres, yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh, see you never. You'll yeah. never hear about Manny Machado again, ever again." And you've never heard about him. Right. The Padres are good, but you never hear about him. This is exactly what's going to happen with Mark Stahl. Just not, except he's not in his prime anymore. Obviously, you'll never hear Mark Stahl's name again. Wow. So rest in peace. Good career. You had a good run. <laughs> Um, it'll be interesting to see what the future considerations are, but I would imagine it's, you know, oh, uh, seventh this year and a fifth next year or something like that. So, yeah, exactly. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins have sent Patrick Hornquist to the Florida Panthers in exchange for Mike Matheson and Colton Sevier. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harrison Schulz. <laughs> so I, I, I had a lot of emotion in me on the Instagram story when this rumor mill was going down and... Um, I have a lot of thoughts. So, and I don't want to bore people with Penguins talk because at the end of the day, this isn't one of the core players. Well, I guess you could argue maybe he was part of the core, but I love Patrick Hornquist, and I know you hate him, and that's why I love him. Yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that you need on your team who's an energizer bunny. He pisses the other team off. He gets in front of the net. He does all the dirty work. I love the way he plays. Now that I've simmered down a little bit, I do I understand the trade. I get it. Mike Matheson is younger. 
he has basically the same salary cap hit, and he's a defenseman, and he's a young, good skating defenseman that we need in our lineup. So I understand the trade. It just sucks to see a team slash fan favorite go. Um, I finally got the subscription to The Athletic. Nice. And one guy that I love reading for the Penguins is Josh Yoey. And um, he was saying that when Haglin got traded from Pittsburgh, it destroyed the locker room. And Hornquist was most devastated because they're best friends. Mm -hmm. I would imagine this is not going to be a popular move as far as locker room is concerned. No. Because he was the heart and soul guy. Like, he was the yeah. guy who was like, let's, like, Sid's the leader, but Patrick yeah. brought the fire, right? Yeah. And you need that guy. So, I will always remember the game winning goal in game six against Nashville with one minute and 30 seconds left on the clock. Thank you, Patrick Hornquist, for all of your service. Uh, one of my favorite Penguins of all time. He really, the best way I could put it is when Pascal Dupuis went down, this was the guy who brought that same fire, that same energy, that that fan favorite type of tenacity that you just love to see. Um, but, you know, they're getting a young defenseman, and that's where we need the most help. I think it's very obvious after this past playoffs we suck defensively. He's a decent skater, carries a cap hit of 4.8 mil. He signed for the next couple of seasons. And not to rag on Patrick Hornquist, but he was also never healthy. I mean, he is. Yeah, he was a band aid. He is a band aid because of the way he plays. Yes. He's not. I don't really see him playing over 50, 55 games in a season for the rest of his career because he's always dinged up. So yeah. it is what it is. Um, the game picked up pace quite drastically in the last two seasons since we made our last cup run, and he can't keep up. And yeah. that's the biggest knock. So thank you, Patrick, for your services. I appreciate you, but it's time to move on. I'm not as mad as I thought I would be. That's good. Uh, genuinely one of my least favorite players. <laughs> and that's why I love him. Yeah, exactly. So you know who he always reminded me of was Johan Franzen, just in the way he played. Thomas Holstrom, too. Yeah, exactly. Mix it up in front of the net, but obviously has a high skill set. Might not be the fastest guy, but the guy that's going to score you some big goals, especially come the postseason. And uh, you know, I know that firsthand because I, my team was usually on the receiving end of those. Uh, moving out of the trade and the rumor mill, you want to recap the cup final? Let's do it. Yeah. I hate, it's so bittersweet. Like I, as soon as it was over, I was like, oh fuck, it's like the worst time of year again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a little different this time because the cup's in September and we honestly, I mean, this will be for a later episode, but God knows what this plans are for next season. Or what it's going to look like. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, obviously the Tampa Bay Lightning won their second Stanley Cup in franchise history, first time since 2004, as Nick mentioned. Victor Hedman wins the Conn Smythe Trophy with 22 points in 25 games played in the playoffs with 10 goals. 10 goals. It's ridiculous. And 12 assists. I believe the stat is... That is the third most goals by a defenseman in a postseason run in NHL history. And People in front of him are what? Bobby Orr and Brian Leach, I, I think? I think it was Paul Coffey. Paul, Paul Coffey. And so, Brian Leach. Um, Those guys were pretty good. Yeah, I would say that's pretty good company yeah. to be in. Um, not that I know anything about hockey, but right. yeah. Uh, so good for him. He was, an absolute, he was absolutely lights out the entire postseason. Um, some other notes that I have, and Nick might have some of his own, but couple question marks that I have. Has Kadobin officially earned himself a starter job? The answer to that, in my opinion, is yes. What I don't know the answer is what happens to Ben Bishop? So this just got a whole lot more interesting because even with all the goalies that are going to be circulating through trades or free agency, I think you now have to assume that Ben Bishop is... 
potentially on the trade block. Available, I think, because yeah. I think you would be a moron to go back to him after the way that Doby played. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm like I said, two goalie system is important, but Bishop is making way too much money to be not be playing majority of the minutes. And uh, when Ottinger came in, he wasn't horrible. I know he's young, so right. So I think we're starting to see a formula in the NHL where you have a bona fide goalie and then a young guy. Or I don't is Kadobin young? I don't think he's that young. No, he's been around. He's been around. So, but typically you get the young guy that comes up. He somehow the older guy gets injured. Who's your star that you pour your money into? The younger guy comes in. He starts playing well, and then you find one of your guys in your farm system where you can pull him up, and he's not a bad backup. And then you get rid of your starter, and then you pump your salary that you get from your starter into a different part of your lineup. And it's starting to become this formula. We saw it with Mark Andre Fleury and Matt Murray and Tristan Jari. We're seeing it with Braden Holpe and Sammy. And I'm blanking on who your guys' backup would be to him when Holpe's gone. Uh, it would either be Vitek Vanacek from Hershey, or I guess they could bring up Copley again, but I would assume it would be Vanacek. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're starting to see this trend kind of coming into the league where you're dumping salary for a stud because you have someone who's somewhat better, maybe a little bit worse, and then you pour it into a different part of your lineup. Mm-hmm. And my God, this offseason is going to be a goalie carousel. I it mean, really is. Folks, I don't think you all, if you're not paying attention, you might not understand what's about to go down. But we are about to see more goalie movement in the NHL this offseason than we arguably ever have in the history of the league. For sure. So keep keep an eye on that for the offseason because it's definitely going to be a good one. Yeah. Big names, too. A um, couple other notes I have. Mara Haskinen is the brightest spot on this Dallas team by far. Bar he is none. disgusting. I. Don't don't quote me on this. I'm gonna look it up actually right now. Um, he was leading the league in points going into the Stanley Cup final. I'm trying yep. to see if he actually finished. Uh, okay, so he ended up finishing in third. Kucherov led the playoffs in points with 34. Braden Point in second place with 33, and then third place was Mero Haskinen with 26. Uh, worth mentioning that uh, Nate Dog was still fourth. Wow, and he's the only one left in the top 10 who was. Oh, him and Josh Bailey were the two in the top ten, but Nate Dogg still finishing in fourth is insane. Yeah, he was unbelievable. I mean, we've jerked him off countless times already <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, we've jerked him off, but you've sucked him off. Yes, so. yeah, uh, both. Uh, just, I don't know how many times I've said this, but probably the best skater I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's funny because the NHL 20 run ratings are leaking out. And yeah. They had him and Matt Duchesne as the second best skaters in the league, which I don't even think they're on the same level, if you want my honest opinion. They're, no, I feel like... Duchesne was at that level when he came into the league and like the league hadn't like caught up yet. But yeah. I mean, all these young kids now, they're just, they can just move so fucking well. So yeah, he's a stud. My, so. my last note is that I think the veteran leadership still proves to be a good formula for playoff runs. We saw that with Perry and Pavelski, both with very timely goals in the Stanley cup final. I feel bad for those guys because Pavelski still doesn't have a cup and he's one of the most deserving guys in the league. I'd say he's in that top five names of Mm -hmm. players who deserve it, who haven't gotten it. And Perry hasn't won it since 07. So yeah, um, I still, I felt bad for him. You know, you always want to get another taste of victory for sure. So those are my final thoughts. Uh, Oh, and Braden point absolutely shoved every word that Nick and I said bad of him at the start of the year up our literal hairy assholes. Hands so. down. I mean, he, you could probably make the argument now that, what did we say? He wasn't in the top 20 centers. Yeah. Now he's probably a top 10. Yeah. Maybe top five based on how he played. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, 
I think at one point this offseason, and you guys can tell us if this is something you would like, we did a basically like a beta, I guess a beta episode yeah, before it, we actually started. It was like started. testing the equipment, testing to see if we could like speak in complete sentences. And which, have some chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so this was done in August of 2019 um, before our first episode came out in September. Um, I, I think we should release it just because, one, it's kind of funny because it's like we're, we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. And two, we rip Braden Point to shreds. Yeah. And here we are an entire season later, and we're just sitting here with our hands in our pants like, well, okay. Well, we suck. But, yeah, I mean, I, I really just think where Dallas went flat was that, that final game six. Like, they had so much momentum with the, you know, double overtime winner to keep their season alive. Um, it was only the second time in the postseason that Tampa had lost in overtime. Uh, they were like, what? They finished six and two. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. Uh, and then they just seemed to go really, really flat in the first part. And, uh, I would say up until halfway of, uh, game six, Tampa was like out shooting them at one point, like 24 to nine or something horrible like that. And, um, I think Tampa, like you said, you know, just smelled blood in the water and really wasn't going to let that one slip away. No. Like, I, I said it a billion times, and I'll say it again. They were due. Yeah. It was time, and there was no way they were going to let that be passed up. Yeah. Uh, let me hit you with a quick question that's actually not on our notes. What was your favorite moment of this year's playoffs? Of this year's playoffs? Uh, I'll go first if you need time. No, I got it, uh, and it's I'm like I'm a selfish asshole, so it's going to be pertaining to me. It was when I live bet the Jackets to come back against the Leafs when they were down three to nothing going into the third period, and then Dubois scores a hat trick and, and the winner in overtime. That was that series was arguably the best. It was it was the best. It was probably the best series of the entire playoffs. Yeah. I also loved the Leafs debacle. The yes. Leafs debacle was fantastic, but I think the best moment. The best moment of the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's hard to say Steven Stamkos' goal was not Yeah, fast. that's a good one. You could feel the emotion. I mean, Doc Emmerich basically just came himself when he scored. Yeah. So it's hard not to say the singular moment, but my favorite series, I would say, my favorite series has to be, it has to be Tampa-Columbus. I mean, it's hard not to. Yeah. That was really cool. A lot of, lot of trading of blows. I, you could argue Columbus gave him the hardest time, too. Yeah. Them or the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, the Isles stuck in there, and I was pulling for the Isles too, but um, glad to see that the – I don't even know what I was – oh, glad to see that the Lightning were able to pull it off. I mean, I, I hate that team in general, but after seeing the Cup celebrations, they have a good group of guys. Yeah, and a lot of guys that deserve it. I mean, I feel like we forget how long Hedman has been there. Uh, and I always say this when I watch him play is because he's so good now, but do you remember how shitty he was when he first broke into the league with Tampa? Oh yeah. I mean, he was horrible. He was, you know, more turnovers than Mike Green and Chris Letang combined, but, uh, yeah, it, it was deserving and, you know, I am happy for them and, uh, it, I think, you know, another best part of the postseason was watching, uh, the Stars coach, Rick Bonus, who used to be an assistant with Tampa, go through that line and hug every one of those players mm-hmm. you know, that he was just playing against. But you could see how happy he was that they had just won. Right. And just like giving each one of them a hug and like spending like almost a minute like talking to each player. It was just awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. Another fun fact, Tampa basically had 
not basically they did. They had three of the top five picks in the 2008 draft on that team. So wow. Stamkos at one. Uh, Bogosian was taken number three by Atlanta. I always, Shen, for, I always forget that he was taken that high. And Luke Shen was taken number five by Toronto. Huh. So they had three, those three guys on the uh, on, on the team, obviously. And they had a cool picture of them in the locker room celebrating. They're all the same oh, draft cool. class. Uh, in case you were wondering, the top five that actually round out, it was Stamkos one, Drew Doughty two, Zach Bogosian three, Alex Petrangelo four. Oof. And Luke Shen, five. Wow. So, you know, not bad company not to at be all. in. Um, especially since, not to, no offense, but when you have Petrangelo and Dowdy as the two defensemen in there, and then the other two are Bogosian and Shen. You yeah, can, it's it, a little bit. That's why the Thrashers aren't a franchise exactly. anymore. <laughs> that's why the Leafs suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, good to see those guys get it done. I think that was kind of a cool story, a little tidbit for y'all. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to the obituary. We have one last team to say goodbye to, and that's the Dallas Stars. How are you going to remember them? So, Tyler Sagan sucks. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I mean, he doesn't actually suck, but... And this is kind of a bad comparison, but when you were playing NHL 2010, 2011, you know, back when franchise mode was actually decent, Tyler Sagan was <laughs> the Connor McDavid. He was young. He was the five-star, you know, rookie prospect young guy. He was fast. He would get 125 points when he would turn like 28, 29. Yeah. So I'm not comparing it to that because obviously it's, it's a video game, but he is supposed to be the best player on the Stars. I know Jamie Benn is there too, but Tyler Sagan and his offensive skills. But I feel like, yeah, like Jamie Benn's offense sort of peaked that year he won the Art Ross. Yeah, with 86 points. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, no, and that's like worth saying is like 86 points. Yeah, that's the I mean, Tyler Sagan's supposed to be a guy who's going to be in the 100-point category at least 90. Yeah. And he did not live up to that. So, in my opinion, he was the biggest dud in this postseason run. And... I, I heard a rumor on NHL discussion that he was playing through an injury, and I know that they're going to leak all the injury reports coming out in the coming days. Yeah. Uh, but two goals in 26 playoff games is not why they are paying him the big bucks. Yeah. 13 points in 26 games played, so that's basically a point every other game. When you're looking that's not at, okay. No, I mean, this guy's in the same breath as Braden Point, I right. would say. He's maybe not Kucherov, but he's in the same breath as that Braden Point. He should be getting more points than Andre Palat. Right. He should be in the in the elite threshold category, and he didn't even finish top 10 in the league in scoring, right. so. and they made it to the cup run. So right. uh, it, it's tough for me to really – give him any slack unless it comes out that he was playing through multiple injuries, which it sounds like he may have. But for me, I will remember this postseason run for the Dallas Stars that Tyler Sagan sucks. Yes. Uh, trying to like I, – I sat there this morning, and I was trying to think of what I was going to say for this, and like 20 different things went through my head. I was like, I could say Haskinen's coming out party. I could say that Sagan sucked. But I really think this is – even though they lost, this is where Doby won his starting job. And that's how I'm going to remember it. Because when Bishop got hurt and he stepped in, it took like one or two games before everyone was like, okay, this is your starter going forward. You know what? Like, why is, not why is, why would you even consider putting Bishop back in the lineup? So uh, I'm going to remember it as, I, I guess you could call it Doby's coming out party, but I think where you could say he finally at 34 years old won himself a starting job. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can't believe I asked you if he was young because now yeah. that I'm thinking back, he was. He's been in Boston. He was in Boston for yeah, a while. He's so. been all over the place, man. Journeyman. 
so yeah, that'll basically wrap up our last obituary for this season. It's kind of weird that now we're going to have to start talking about what's coming up going forward because now we actually don't have... This is our first off season as empty It betters, is, yeah. Even though we're a year after uh, starting. Seriously. <laughs> it's been a wild ride and... Uh, yeah, this, so we're going to try to figure out how we're going to break this up for future episodes, but I think Nick wants to give you guys a little bit of a draft preview. Right. So and we, while he does that, I'll interrupt you. I'm going to go take a piss because okay, I'm dying. You got it. <laughs> so we do have free agency coming up. That will begin on October 9th. The NHL entry draft will be on the 6th and 7th, and obviously that's going to be... Uh, held virtually, as I'm sure everyone is aware by now, because that's the world we live in, and it sucks, and I hate it. Uh, my five players to watch, uh, obviously out of the first round, uh, that's really where everyone pays attention. So uh, stop me if you've heard this name before, but Alexi Lafreniere. Uh, no shit, going to be the first overall pick, going to be to the Rangers. There is no question in my mind that this is going to happen. Uh, this is the player with the highest NHL-ready skill set. I would expect him to be in the lineup whenever we start playing again, uh, and I would expect him to have a much bigger impact than their last high draft pick, Capo Caco, did. Uh, moving on down the list, the widely regarded number two overall selection, Quinton Byfield. Uh, a couple times, you know, over this season was mentioned alongside Lafreniere, you know, sort of, I think they were just making like a fake uh, you know, controversy, like, oh, is it going to be, you know, back to like line A Matthews or, you know, Taylor versus Tyler. There was no question in my mind, but this guy's big, you know, big side and can really, really score big speed too. So uh, definitely uh, a steal for whoever gets him with the second pick. Uh, moving on down the list, Cole Perfetti, I believe is expected to go fifth overall. I would expect him to actually jump a spot to fourth. Really, really explosive and offensive skill set. Excellent hockey sense, especially especially with the puck on his stick. He is phenomenal and an incredible shot as well. Uh, moving on down the list for a couple defensemen, uh, my number four player to watch would be Jamie Drysdale. Uh, effortlessly skating defenseman. Great puck moving abilities. Definitely needs to grow a little bit defensively, but this guy could be a star for sure. I think he's expected to go somewhere between the 6 to 10 range. And then lastly, and the player I'm going to be watching the closest in this draft is American Jake Sanderson. This guy is an unreal skater and just a pure two-way defenseman. Not necessarily the most offensively capable defenseman, but has an incredible hockey sense and just reads the game so well. And that's really where he stands out from everyone else. This guy, I think, is expected to go eighth overall. I would expect him to jump up to at least sixth. So those would be my five players to watch for this upcoming draft. I actually do think we have some breaking news. Uh, Robin Lehner did just sign a five-year deal with Vegas. Uh, I believe it is a $25 million contract, so the AAV would probably be around five, according to math. <laughs> yep. Um, so again, we're trying to figure out how we're going to space the episodes out with the draft, the free agency, all the off-season shenanigans that are coming up. So we'll let you guys know how we end up doing that. Um, I do think it is worth noting that the Jack Eichel trade rumors are starting to heat up. Yeah. And we've been saying that for how long? A year now. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a, a picture on our Instagram where there's a quote where I said he's, in the, he's a superstar, but he's not in the breath of untouchable, where the yeah. Sabres will never, ever trade him. Um so yeah, and the Rangers are obviously the 
the the big name. Oh my god! Which I don't know how I feel about that. I, I and, don't want that to happen. And granted, I was just taking a piss while you were reading that, but I'm assuming the Lafreniere name came up for number one overall, and the yep. Rangers are going to get him. So yeah. the Rangers are going to be sick. Uh, yeah. Maybe not necessarily this year. I think they'll be very good. I do think they'll be very good. I think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll make the playoffs, and I think it wouldn't surprise me if they made you know for a second round noise. But like two years from now, they are going to be nasty. Yeah. So. Uh, unfortunately, that is bad for us Caps and Penguins fans, as Nick and I are. So, or anyone that just has to listen to Rangers fans, you know, spew their nonsense because we all know how enjoyable that is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do you have any final notes? I feel now. I feel like now that we're here live, I can ask that, and it's not like it's not going to take twenty five minutes. Yeah, because we're both here together. I don't. I mean, like you said, uh, we're not really sure how we're going to break up the next couple episodes. The draft, like the first day of the first round is the sixth. So I don't think we'll get another one in before then. So I think the next time you hear from us, we'll probably be recapping the first round and maybe just depending on timing and scheduling, touching on some free agency moves or at least previewing it. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Hopefully it's a week. Uh, You know, we obviously have three people's schedules to work around. So Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. And one on West Coast time, so it's exactly. not Exactly. Gotta not, love that. Not always the easiest, but uh you know, it wouldn't be an empty betters episode if we didn't plug our merch at the end. So, you know, take a look at the merchandise that we have up on the store. You can find the link on our Instagram profile. Uh I am right now rocking a sick trucker hat that Nick has been holding on to for me for about six months now. So it's <laughs> lovely to get this in my hands. We got stickers, hats, t shirts, hoodies. Don't have pants yet, but I've thought about that. We can discuss, but um, you know, go take a look at the store. All proceeds really help us out, and you know, help us to do cooler shit. We've got, hopefully, we had a ton of plans and ideas that we thought about this past season, but with COVID and everything, who knows how that's going to work out this coming year? And we'll speculate later at a later time as to you know what we think is going to happen with the upcoming season. So, um, check out the merch. We appreciate all the support. And without further ado, class dismissed. <laughs>